0: Today we're going to start a new series titled, Money, It's Not Child's Play. There's going to be a series about finances. Um, we, I like to do a series on finances, not always every year, sometimes every other year, but I think it's important, because the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, uh, 15%, I read somewhere that 15% of Jesus' recorded teaching was about this one subject. Did you know that Jesus taught more about money than he taught about heaven and hell combined? Now, why would he do that? It's not that heaven and hell are not important. They are, but I think he would do he did that because even in Bible times, people struggled with how to handle their money. They struggled with how to handle their money, with how to honor God with their money, how to keep the right perspective between money and possessions, how to keep them all in the, in the right perspective, and that was an issue back then, and of course Jesus knew it would be an issue for us even today, an issue to the point that for some people it's a significant struggle in their lives. How to handle money, how to how to keep it in the right perspective, how to handle possessions, how to keep them in the right perspective. So over the next few weeks. I want us to learn some biblical principles that I believe will transform our financial lives, will transform our financial futures. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want that, who doesn't want a, a positive change to their financial life or a positive change to their financial future. And, and sometimes, I, I've, I've never noticed it here in our church, but I maybe there is somebody who, when I speak about money, sometimes there may be people who get a little, I don't know, a little uncomfortable. It's going to talk about money. You know, people sometimes say, all the church wants is my money. Well, that's not true. You know, if, 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 you're, if you believe that, then just keep your money, because that's, that's not what, what the church wants. I mean, that's not why we teach about money. And so, you know, whether you're here today or you're watching online this morning, uh, I just want you to know I want to be upfront about what uh, I want to teach or I want us to learn during this series. So just first of all, since this is the ground floor of the series, and by the way, you're here in the ground floor of the series. It's going to be three weeks, maybe four. I might, I haven't decided. I might have another uh, another week, but for sure, three weeks right now. And you're here in the ground floor, and I really want to encourage you to be here for the rest of this series. And my goals for this series is that I want you to be financially free. I want for all of us to be financially free, to learn to live by God's system of finances and not the world's economic system. God's system is different than the world's, it's different than those around you who might be handling money in a different way than you. But I want you to experience God's security, God's peace in the area of your finances. And secondly, this is so important for me, one of my goals, and I want this to be one of our goals in this series, is that we would be blessed and be a blessing to others, to be blessed and be a blessing to others. Every once in a while, I'll, uh, I'll get online and I, I'll watch a service from uh, a small struggling church, no, not us. <laughs> another small, and I don't believe we're struggling, but, you know, they're church, rural churches, and I, I just, you know, I I, I feel connected to them. Uh, they have a few people, and the pastor's up there preaching, you know, now, since COVID, you know, everybody's a TV evangelist now, right? So, you can pretty much watch other small churches, which I like to do, and um, and sometimes I just, I'll send them an offering, and I'll ask my wife, is it okay if I send this offering to this church, and uh, You know, she finally said, well, you don't have to ask me anymore. I said, "Okay, good. I got the thumbs up, you know, but I just I want to be a blessing to to others. But I we I can't do as much as I wish we could do. And I I wish that I could just bless people here. You know, just I want you to be blessed with this. So I want you to be blessed and be a blessing, giving more, doing more for the kingdom of God than you ever thought was possible. And uh, finally, I want you to to raise your children Uh, In a way that they can approach money in a safe way, in a healthy way, in a biblical way. Teach them about finances. And maybe some of you, your children are grown and and maybe you didn't do a good job of that. Maybe you messed up that area area of your life. But uh, I still think you can teach your children something even as adults or grandchildren. Teach them how to handle God's money wisely. Now everybody has guiding principles for how they handle money. They, they may not have them written down. You know, you might be thinking, well, I don't really have any guiding principles. I just, I just kind of live day to day. Well, if that's the case, you have a guiding principle. It's just that you don't have it written down. Your, your guiding principle is to just live day to day. But most people have some kind of guiding principles when it comes to handling their money. And uh, so here are some of the principles that you and I have seen, right? We've, we've seen these. And among the people that, that you know, we move this in our circles. So one guiding principle that people have is this. I spend what I have. I spend what I have. If I get a tax refund, I'm going to spend it. If I get a tax rebate, I'm going to spend it. It's another chance to buy something. Whatever I have, I spend. That's what it's for, right? That's one guiding principle. Others have a guiding principle that's connected to this, and that's, I do what I want, I do what I want. I know I should be saving some money. I know I should be looking to the future. You know, certainly retirement. But I'll worry about that later. Right now, I do what I want. And then others have a guiding principle that goes like this: I've got to have it now. I can't wait. I mean, that TV would look so nice in my man cave or my living room. You know, I'm not. And if you have a new TV, that's fine. I'm just saying there are people who don't plan for it. They don't plan ahead. They just see it and I've got to have it now. And um, that's, I mean, and the reason they say it's okay, I I can do that because, and here's another guiding principle, I'll just pay for it later, right? I've got this credit card. I've got an account here. It's a wonderful thing. I can have what I want when I want it, and I'll just worry about it later. Here's another guiding principle that some people have. It's... uh, I need more. You know, we're obsessed with the thought of more, with bigger, better, upgraded, new and improved. Right? And marketers know how to get us because they use those phrases and they, think, they make us think, I've got to have that new phone. It's better. How is it better? Well, and we go online and we compare because we want to convince ourselves of what we already believe. I need more. And then there's another one that says, and I've been guilty of this, and every time I think this way I get myself in financial trouble but it's the guiding principle that says I deserve it I've been working so hard and know I've been I've been working hard and I I just deserve it I deserve to have you know the the latest and greatest uh, uh, I, I remember I bought um, one year I bought a set of golf clubs I already had one but I bought another one because I'd had a rough spring with UIL contests, rehearsals, a lot of pressure, fundraising. Oh, just when the year ended that summer, I thought, "Man, I deserve something for that spring." And so, uh, I don't know where they are now. I think I gave them away. But uh, again, uh, advertising does a great job of convincing you d- you deserve to have the best. And. Uh, you don't, don't just need it, you deserve it. But that's how a lot of people live, by those principles. And, and that's why when we talk about money, it's stressful because they're living by those principles. And it just, uh, I don't really want to hear this. But then there's one more. After they live by those principles, they add one more thought to live by. And the thought is, I just can't afford to tithe. I just can't. I can't afford to give 10% of my income to God. Well, I mean, I understand. Look at all your guiding principles. I can see why you would think that you can't afford to tithe. Well, I spend a, a, a lot of time playing with my, my grandkids, and they you know, they have different things they want me to play with. Malachi, he, his favorite game is, he comes to me and says, Grumpy, be a monster. <laughs> He wants me to chase him around as a monster, so I'll chase him around, and he loves that. Uh, they wear me out. But uh, one game that I haven't played with them, and I need to play with them, maybe even tonight, is a game, uh, the kids' game, Follow the Leader. How many of you play Follow the Leader when you're little kids, right, in, in elementary school on the playground? It's really a great game when you think about it. You know, it, I realize this week I haven't played with my grandkids, but I need to uh, play Follow the Leader. Well... When it comes to life and when it comes to financial decisions, make sure that you are following the right leader. We all follow a leader when it comes to finances. The leader might be you. I don't let anybody tell me what to do with my money or even advise me, you know, suggest. When, if somebody advises you, you always take it as you're telling me what to do. Maybe you're the leader, right? But We've got to make sure that we're following the leader. That's the first principle we're going to talk about today. Uh, That we learn about financial things from people who are smarter than us when it comes to finances. And yes, there are people smarter than you when it comes to finances. People who have accomplished what you want to accomplish. Follow someone who knows what they're doing financially. And follow someone who is following biblical principles. Because... This is what God's Word teaches us. Look at Philippians 3.17. This is a verse I asked you to look up. Philippians 3.17 reads like this. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul said, follow me. Live like me. You know, sometimes we think it's really humbling or, or it's humility, rather, that we're being humble. I should say that we say to people, oh, don't look at me. I'm just human. I make mistakes. And Paul says, no, no, no. You be an example for others. And he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we should be able to say the same thing. Not that we're perfect. Obviously, we're not. But when we learn to follow Christ and we have the confidence that if people are watching, then that we're giving them a good model. It's a human model, after all but a good model for what it is to follow Christ. So Paul says, follow me, live like me, follow the principles that I follow. And so when it comes to money, who is the right leader? Who should we follow? Who should you follow? Well, I suggest that you base your financial lives and your financial decisions on the principles that are contained in the Bible, The Bible is God's word. The Bible is our guidebook for living. And so what we're going to do in this series, we're going to learn principles from the Bible that were relevant in Jesus's day. And they're very much relevant today. So the first principle, as I said, is a follow the leader principle. The follow the leader principle is this. If you want God's blessing on your finances, you must follow God's instructions. Would you read that out loud with me? Okay, here's the follow the leader principle. If you want God's blessings on your finances, you must follow God's instructions. Can we read that again? Okay, be bold, be brave. You can do this. If you want God's blessing on your finances, you must follow God's instructions. God has to be your leader. That seems obvious, right? We say, Amen. Yeah. But you know, sometimes we just don't make the connection. I know people who just don't make the connection. They love God. They love God and they're sincere in their service and the worship of God. But they just somehow don't make the connection that they've got to follow God's principles in every area, including in finances, if they want God's blessing on their finances. And so they disobey God's instructions and then they wonder why God's blessings seem to be evading them. Let me ask you, parents, if your children disobey you, do you bless them for disobeying you? No, you don't bless them. Oh, you didn't do what I said. That's okay. I'm still going to give you the money. Maybe some people do that. I don't know. But should we bless? I'm not going to guess it that all of us here, people watching online, you don't bless your children when they disobey you. When they disobey you, you instead discipline them. You teach them so they will learn the lesson and not repeat the mistake. Now, whatever discipline looks like for you, you use that because you want them to learn the lesson and not to make the same mistake over and over again. At your office, at your job, who gets promoted? Who gets promoted? The person who... Follows the boss's instructions and and does what they're taught to do, what they're trained to do. Or the person who says, "Ah, I'm going to do it my own way. My boss doesn't know what he's talking about. Who's going to get promoted? It's pretty obvious, right? If you want the promotion or the raise, if you want the blessing, then you follow the instructions. You do as you're taught, you do as you're told. It is no different with God. If you want God's blessings on your life and on your finances, then you have to obey God's instructions. Now we're talking about children's games. How many of you remember Simon Says? Okay, stand up. We're going to play it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's how some of you go, really? I didn't say Simon Says, right. There you go. Somebody's listening. You know, we never, nobody ever told us who Simon was. Who's Simon? Anyway, we, we used to play, you know, Simon Says, stand up. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, raise your right hand. Turn around. Ah, oh, caught you. You know, you, you did it wrong. You would win the game by doing what Simon says, right? That's the game. And if you do something that Simon didn't say, you know, you lose the game. So the Simon Says Principle is this. Practice strict obedience to God's Word. Say that with me out loud. The Simon Says Principle. Practice strict obedience to God's word. Now, not in a legalistic way. When I say strict obedience, I mean like devout obedience, uh, not in a legalistic way. So if you miss something, if if you don't do something that God, because we're human and and we fail that that God instructs, you're like, oh, no, I'm cursed. It's over. I don't have another chance. No, but I'm just talking about the idea that we, our desire is to just follow precisely God's instructions, God's word. If you don't listen to God and do what he says, guess what? You lose. You lose. If you obey another voice, you lose. But if you accept that God knows what's best for you and you do what he says, you win. Now, if you're watching online and you're not interested in obeying God, then feel free to tune me out. You know, do things your own way. If you're here and you're thinking, well, I I don't know about that, then do things your own way. But don't expect God to bless you. Don't be that foolish, though. You can do everything else right. You can be cautious and wise. But if you don't obey God, you ultimately lose in this area. It's inevitable. So Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10 is a passage that's familiar to us. Let's read that. Malachi 3, 8 reads like this. Will a mere mortal rob God? That's pretty clear. That's pretty powerful. If you want to live according to God's system, if you want to uh, follow God's plan, his instructions, and the starting place, the starting place is to tithe, to give God in worship and obedience the first 10 percent of your income. That's what God sets as a starting place. Uh, I refer to the tithe, and I have for years, I refer to the tithe as uh, training wheels. For people, don't, I don't know how much to give. Well, the Bible teaches the tithe, but that's really the training wheels, right? How many of you still use training wheels and you're adults? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask that, but most I'm guessing you don't, right? Uh, you, you're able to balance yourself. Well, I mean, eventually the training wheels come off. And eventually you start with tithing, but then you learn to give to missions and you give this offering, you give to other offerings. And all that is part of of how we worship and it's part of God's instructions. Notice that he he said, you have robbed me. How have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? So God expects both. But there is never I don't think there's ever been a more important time to start if you need God's blessing to start tithing. And again, really in the New Testament, what Jesus does is he raises a bar. He does that in a lot of areas, right? The Old Testament talks about you should not commit adultery. Then Jesus comes along and he raises a bar. He says, even if you lust on a woman, you've committed adultery. I was, okay, you know, he's always raising the bar. And then, you know, he, the Old Testament teaches tithing. In the New Testament, you know, we, we read about being generous, about giving out of our hurt, out of our pain out of our poverty, like, okay, he keeps raising the bar, you know, so the tithe is just really the the beginning, Uh, and so that's a great place to start, it's a biblical place to start, and it's very simple, you know, you've got 10 $1 bills, and you give one to God, children can learn that, right, you have 10 $10 bills, then you give one $10 bill to God, if you have uh, 100 $100 bills, or let me put it this way, if you have 10 $100 bills, then all of a sudden you're saying, wait a minute, 10% is $100. That's a lot of money. Well, you know what? Obeying God is not about the amount. It's about the percentage. That's what God taught. I mean, it makes perfect sense. makes perfect sense. Everybody can do it. But some people look at the amount and decide they don't really want to follow through in obeying God because that's a lot of money. And so they move out from under his system of economics. So when you ignore God's instructions, you're choosing to lose the game. Why would you do that? You're choosing to live without His blessing. I've read a lot of studies over the years, some um, in, in church magazines and journals and others in secular uh, studies as well, that, that say that uh, somewhere between 5 and 10% of Americans who call themselves Christians Of the Americans who call themselves Christians, somewhere between 5 and 10% tithe. That's it. At most, 10% of Christians tithe. The average Christian household in America gives only about 2.5% of their income to the Lord. Only about 2.5% of their income to God. That is a stunning amount of disobedience. That's a stunning amount of disobedience. I want you to to see God's blessings in your life. I want you to enjoy God's blessings on your finances. Because obeying God leads to blessing. And when you ignore His voice, you lose. Look at Deuteronomy 11.26. Deuteronomy 11.26-28 reads like this. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. So that's our choice, a blessing or a curse. What does a blessing look like today? Well, I think a blessing today in, in our contemporary society Looks like a peaceful trust in God, even when we're struggling, we're at peace. We're not anxious about finances because we know that we're trusting God. We're giving to God. We're obeying God. We're giving tithe and offerings. We're being generous. And so there's peace. We have peace in our hearts, uh, even when we're struggling, even when life is hard, even when the economy has taken a downturn. And I think peace, God says it. I think uh, blessing, rather, God says it, is uh, God opening the floodgates of heaven and pouring out a blessing so much that we can't contain it. And sometimes that blessing is material, financial. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's just, again, the emotional health that so many people are looking for today. Uh, it's, it's God's blessing. What does a curse look like today in America in the year 2022. Well, I think a curse looks like pockets with our holes in them. You know, we can't make ends meet. I think a curse looks like arguing with our spouse about money because we can't make ends meet. You know, I think a curse is just being stressed out about, about financial issues. Um, the choice is right before us. Now, I use Google Maps a lot when I travel. And uh, honestly, sometimes even here in town, I'll use Google Maps. Uh, sometimes I use Waze, which is a good, you know, it's owned by Google Maps too, you know. Sometimes I use Waze and, or Apple Maps, mostly Google. But I've learned one thing from using a GPS. I've learned that if you don't know where you are, you can't get to where you're going. If you don't know where you're starting, you can't get to your destination. You can't get the directions that always ask you, you know, where you're starting. Mine defaults, you know, from home. Uh, or, but you can enter the address where you're starting, and then, then it'll tell you where you're going to go. you got to know where you are before it tells you where you need to go. Uh, that's why maps and big malls, shopping malls, shopping centers have, you know, the malls have these maps that say, you are here, and it shows the locations. you locations. So you can center yourself and, and then know where you're going to go. Now, when people ask for help with their finances... When they're looking for help with their finances, one of the first questions they must answer is, where am I financially? One of the first questions they've got to answer is, how much debt do I have? Now, if somebody asks them, a financial advisor, how much debt do you have? And they say, I don't know. Then he can't help them. You've got to know where you are. OK, so what are your monthly expenses? Well, I'm not sure I've never really added them up. It it amazes me that there are people who don't know where they stand financially. They can't tell you. They don't know their current location. They know where they want to get, but it'll be hard to get there because they don't know their current situation. So if you want to change, you first have to face reality. This is a you are here principle. Okay, so let's look at that. And, And I want you to read this with me. This is the you-are-here principle. Say it with me. Before you can have a plan, you must first know where you are. Let's say it again. Before you can have a plan, you must first know where you are. Many years ago, I remember reading a book by uh, leadership guru Max Dupree who has famously, famously said, I've read this, I've seen this over and over and heard of people quote him. He famously said that the first Responsibility of a leader is to define reality. You want to be a good leader, you want to be a good pastor, you want to be a good leader at your job, your supervisor. You have to know the condition right of your your area that you're supervising. The first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. If you want to lead your family out of financial uh, mismanagement, or you want to lead yourself out of financial mismanagement, you have to define reality. You have to put pen to paper and know where you are financially. It's a biblical principle. The Bible says, know the condition of your, of your livestock. Right? Back, in, back in Bible times and Old Testament times, the finances, the money was in the livestock. Right? They didn't have banks. They didn't have cash and and it was in the livestock. And so know the condition of your livestock. And I think there are some reasons why people avoid knowing and facing their current reality. They don't want to deal with it. Like you get a letter from the IRS and you don't even want to open it. You, know? you get, a, you, you get a, um, a bill from one of your credit cards and it sits there for a week because you don't want to deal with it. Right? That's not wanting to face reality. And I think one of the reasons is pride, pride that you don't want to admit that you've made financial mistakes. If you admit where you are financially, you're admitting, I was wrong. I've, I've made some mistakes. So maybe it's pride. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's shame. You look at your debt and you say, man, I'm so embarrassed. How could I, how could I have done that? How could we have allowed ourselves to get in such deep debt? debt rather. How could I have made such poor financial decisions? Or maybe it's Fear. You fear what you're going to discover when you add everything up. You're going to throw up your hand and say, wow, I had no idea. And It's absolutely overwhelming. So maybe you avoid confronting the truth. But again, if you want to change, you have to face reality. You have to answer the questions, how much money do I make? How much do I make after taxes? How much do I have in the bank? What are my monthly expenses? What is my debt? What percentage of my income am I actually giving to God? Jesus taught this principle in Luke 14, 28. Luke 14, 28 through 30 reads like this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't. Able to finish. You know, I know in, in our community that there are people that are living in houses that they really can't afford. They're driving cars that are beyond their budget. They're taking trips on credit, then taking years to pay it off and getting deeper and deeper in debt every month. So I think face reality is, is important. Sit down with a calculator, add it up, face reality. Now, this final principle is. Uh, I think it's huge. This is very important. This is a Sam Walton principle, right? Sam Walton. How many of you know who he is? Uh, Sam Walton. He started Walmart. He was worth billions of dollars. But you couldn't tell by looking at him. He still drove his old beat-up pickup. He dressed like an ordinary person. Have you ever read the book? And we've talked about this in years past, a book called The Millionaire Next Door. There are a lot of people that are millionaires that you, you wouldn't be able to tell they're millionaires because they follow the Sam Walton principle. He learned the secrets of disciplined living. So the Sam Walton principle is this. Let's show it. The Sam Walton principle, say it with me, live below your means. Again, live below your means. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.18, whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. All extremes. We live in an extreme world. People are obsessed with living large, with having the biggest and the best, but the man who fears God avoids all extremes. And that includes financial extremes. How do we do this? We learn to live below our means. That means that the next time you get a raise... Don't raise your standard of living, too. The next time you get a raise, don't upgrade your life. Don't go out immediately and start spending on a bigger house, a bigger car. Learn to save the difference and keep, keep living at the same level that you were living before the raise. Live off the old salary. If you can, live off the old salary instead of the new one. Because if you do that in a few years, you'll be amazed at how much you're able to save and then to give to those in need and to be generous. I pray to God, Lord, I just want to be generous. Help me to make good decisions financially because I want to be able to bless people. Just give blessings away. So don't raise your lifestyle to match your income. That's, that's one of the secrets to financial freedom. Live below your means. And so today, as I conclude, let me just say this. Let's learn to trust God because we're hear these principles and they're all biblical principles. We can hear about them. We, we can say, okay, Um, I I see how that's a biblical principle. But man, making that connection, uh, you know, taking the step to actually put these things into practice. That's where the challenge is for so many people. But I want to just ask you and challenge you. Let's trust God and his words. Let's embrace these principles. Some of you already are, I know. It's, it's obvious in the way you live, you're already embracing these principles. But let's all do this. Let's trust God. Somebody once told me something very wise. Somebody was said, I, I know why I struggle to tithe. It's a lack of trusting God. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Very wise. And so I think what, what I'd like for us to pray today is, Lord, just help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. Help help me to be smart about my money to live, you know, with a spending plan. I don't want to say the other word, budget. (laughs) It's a bad word for some people, so don't use budget. We'll use spending plan. Live with a spending plan. Uh, So I just want to be obedient to you, and I want to be blessed so I can bless others. Help me to trust you. This is what we're going to pray today. I need help. From God, I need to trust him, trust him more. That's my prayer. Would you bow together right now? Father, I'm so grateful that you continue to speak to us. Lord, in areas and questions that we have, that we face daily. You already knew, Father, that we would be facing these situations. You already knew we'd be having financial Uh, Problems. You already knew that we uh, would be struggling. We would be arguing about money. You already knew this. This is why your word contains these teachings, Lord. We're not asking to be rich. We're not asking, Lord, to to have more than enough so we can spend it on ourselves. We're asking that you help us to trust you. That's that's our prayer. Help us to trust you, dear God that we would believe what your word says and that we would put into action what your word teaches. I'd I'd love to see this church, the people of this church, blessed, dear God, as they obey you. I'd love to see them blessed. I rejoice, dear God, when I See that someone has a new vehicle or they're, they've bought a house or they're upgrading. I rejoice at that because I know that's your blessing on them. And how much more could we do to give to missions, to give to those in need here in our community, to be a blessing to others if we could learn to trust you so you could bless us even more, so we could give even more. Help us to overcome our fear, our shame, our pride that we might learn to give faithfully to you. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name.